With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to The Nonprofit Coach. Wow, it is great to be back. Uh, it's hard to believe that our summer hiatus, taking off July and August here from our live show, uh, is over. Labor Day has come and gone, and we are live here from the nation's capital. And as always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we always start with page one news. Because we've been on summer hiatus for a couple of months, I'm just going to remind everybody, uh, as our intro host uh, shared with you, you can call in today and ask a question of our page two expert by dialing 347-324-3080. Make sure that you press the number one. That will raise your hand here on the switchboard and let me know that you'd like to ask a question of our guest. You can also join us over in the chat room. I see a couple folks over in the chat room already. Welcome. Welcome back from our uh, summer hiatus. Uh, you can also email me questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. Now, the way the page one news works is we cover news from all over the nonprofit sector, and you can follow along by going to tedhart.com and click on radio links. All of the links for the show are always posted for you there. And here up first on the Nonprofit Coach, one of the things that I did uh, over my summer break is I had the opportunity uh, to go and meet with the folks with, uh, that are opening a new store in New York. And in the, in the uh, radio links, you'll find an article from the Chronicle of Philanthropy that talks about the new Nordstrom store that has opened in New York specifically to benefit nonprofit organizations. Now, this is called Treasure and Bond, and over uh, in the radio links, you'll also find some photos that I took uh, during my tour and visit at uh, over at Treasure and Bond. So we're going to start off the show today with uh, sharing with you a little interview that I did with Paige Boggs, uh, who is running this new nonprofit endeavor uh, hosted by Nordstrom's. Hey, this is Ted Hart, the nonprofit coach, and I'm here in New York City live with Paige Boggs. Thanks for having me. Paige, what is Treasure and Bond? Treasure and Bond is sort of an experiment in retail that, you know, we're a wholly owned subsidiary of Nordstrom. We have an 11,000 square foot space here. We tried to populate it with things from all over that you don't see a lot, things that are interesting even to the New York customer, the very discerning New York customer, and uh, try to sell some stuff and do some good and give 100% of our profits to New York 
Well, that's great. So 100% of the profits from this store are going to go to charity. Correct. Now, how does charities get chosen? Well, initially, we had a pool to choose from after we made the announcement we were coming here. So we edited that down based on two filters, one New York City and one children. So we kind of pushed everything through that. Some people came up and surfaced. We selected eight, which we put two per quarter for the first year. Moving forward beyond that, though, we'll have an online application process. People will apply online um, if they meet this, just those two simple qualifiers. And we will harvest the group of those. We'll have a committee of like six people, some internal, some external. And they will edit that to maybe 10. And then when you come here and buy something, you'll pick the next charity. So our customers will actually determine all of the charities moving forward. Oh, I love that. Year. That's great. So you've already chosen the first eight charities. Correct. They're all New York City based and they're all supporting children. Correct. But rolling forward, your customers here at Treasure and Bond will actually be part of the selection process. Absolutely. So, so I, my guess is that there's going to be a big social networking aspect uh, to this store to get the word out and for people to feel connected. Right. I think, you know, it'll be really important to us as we move forward that the organizations we work with, we have full follow-up with. So, you know, here's what we did, here's when you were our partners, and here's what you did with the money, and kind of we really hope to bring that story back into the store to show our customers, maybe even visually, what happened with the money, which we think would be great. So we'll sort of build the timeline from the time we started to the time we moved forward, and we'll keep posting the next recipients so people can plan on knowing you know, how they're going to line up compared to what we did before. We can also see how we grow or how we develop as we move along. So people can choose to, to shop here when they want to support a particular charity. Or shop well. here all the time because it's always going to charity. Always going to charity, <laughs> exactly. Now, um, walking around the store, it's just really a very nice store uh, here in New York. But it's also no frills, and I understand that's by design. Why is that? Sort of. Um, well, you know, number one, we're on a beautiful street. We have a beautiful building and we really didn't think we had to mess too much with it. We, we tried to populate all the fixtures with Nordstrom waste, things that were leaving our stores based on remodels or things like that. Okay. Get those here and then we kind of just dumped it out and saw what we had to work with. Um, but by keeping our overhead low, we just kind of ensure that we don't have, you know, we don't have marble floors to polish, we don't have all the other stuff. It kind of just lets, number one, it lets the product show up, I think, really well. Right. It makes it easy for the customer because it feels really open in here, people can see everything. And then it does, it keeps, you know, all of that middle stuff that can get really, you know, expensive. Expensive. Now generates more profit to the bottom line. Right. And am I hearing you right, there's also a bit of a green aspect. Well, uh, to the work that you're doing through the recycling and reuse. Well, you know, we uh, always nice. yeah, we always have to, you know, Nordstrom's big company, and one of the good things about that is there's always they're always improving something, doing something. So, if we were going to be paying a liquidator to take something off of our hands to get it repurposed in the world, we thought, how amazing! Why don't we just get first in line? So I just kind of looked at the list of all the stores that were getting remodeled, called them, and said, what do you have? We kind of got it all organized. We all shipped it over the course of five months to one location, and then had it come here. So it was it was a happy accident that we had five stores that were doing that so we could actually benefit from it. So well, we're really excited. That's great. Well, Paige Box, we wish you all the success here at Treasure and Bond. And for our listeners today, we're going to be posting photos that I took when I toured Treasure and Bond uh, in the radio links for this particular show. So make sure that you check out the radio links, and when you're in New York, make sure that you go and shop at Treasure and Bond. Thank you so much, Faith. Thank you so much. Well, that, uh, that was the interview. As you can tell, uh, it was a little bit difficult to do that interview in a store that was uh, still had some work uh, being done on it. But I hope that you could hear uh, that wonderful uh, interview that uh, I had the opportunity uh, to speak with Paige Boggs, uh, who is running the new Treasure and Bond store, which is specifically going to be giving 100% of their profits to charities in the New York City area. Here, uh, next up on page one news, again, you can follow along at tedhart.com, click on radio links. Uh, if over the summer you were noticing that maybe your laptop battery uh, is not quite uh, up to snuff and uh, you found yourself uh, going dead a few times, well, we've posted for you today over in the radio links an interesting how to upgrade your laptop battery life. Uh, if it is dying, how can you revive that. Uh, there are ways to recalibrate uh, your battery 
uh, uh, with uh, and, and to uh, uh, do other things that can maintain uh, and extend your battery life even past the expiration date. So read all about that over in the radio links and make sure that uh, during the fall you won't have some of the same problems that uh, that maybe I had over the summer. A uh, little bit of a problem with uh, with my laptop battery uh, at one point over the summer, but this really does work. Did help me out a lot, and I want to pass that on to all of my listeners. Uh, now, as uh, as all of you are aware, we have a uh, very uh, tragic and solemn uh, anniversary uh, coming up this next weekend, and that is hard to believe the 10th anniversary of September 11. Uh, and September 11 changed so many things throughout our country and around the world. One of the things that it most definitely changed in the nonprofit sector is how seriously uh, charitable organizations and donors take online fundraising. September 11 really did prove that people will not only give online, but will give uh, extensively online, and online fundraising has soared uh, following September 11th. Well, uh, over in the radio links today, you will find that American Express uh, is actually the lead funder for the 9-11 Service Day. Uh, what they are uh, working so hard to do, and we invite all of you to join, uh, is to turn uh, September 11th into a day of service. That is an initiative that has been going on for many years now. Uh, Facebook app. Uh, and now an opportunity for you to not only get started, uh, but to share the word and to get the word out uh, to others regarding Facebook and their partnership with American Express specifically uh, to help you join the 9-11 tribute movement. So read all about that uh, over in the radio links at Ted Hart at tedhart.com uh, and uh, click on the radio links. Again, you can join us over in the chat room. You can ask questions there when we get to our page two experts. Uh, you also uh, can uh, call in today. I hope that you will at 347-324-3080. Again, uh, really a pleasure to be back here with you following our summer hiatus. And one of the things that happens when we are away uh, from summer is we don't uh, actually just go on vacation for two months, which I could, uh, but we do have the opportunity to work with some wonderful people, uh, bringing them into uh, uh, into discussions about how we can expand the educational value of the nonprofit coach. And one such partner I want to bring on to the show uh, right now and give you an opportunity uh, to hear specifically from Margaret Battistelli, uh, who is with Fundraising Success Magazine. We have a new partnership with Fundraising Success Magazine, and those of you who are already following Fundraising Success Magazine know that they have been sharing with you uh, links to various podcasts, some of the most popular podcasts uh, in the nonprofit sector. You can now find those specifically at Fundraising Success Magazine. So, Margaret, it's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Nonprofit Coach. Welcome. Hi, Ted. Thanks so much. How are you? Welcome back. Well, it's great to be back and great to have you here on the show. Uh, let's start off. I just want to spend a couple of minutes with you, and I want to make sure that all of our listeners know what is Fundraising Success Magazine. Well, Fundraising Success Magazine, we are now coming into our eighth year, and we are a strategy guide for fundraisers. Uh, we don't really talk about theory. We don't really talk about news. We don't really talk about nonprofit management. Um, we're very practical and actionable. We have a, a print publication that comes out once a month uh, where you'll find, excuse me, features excuse me, features and columns and departments, and usually we have a cover story that really looks in-depth at uh, a nonprofit organization and what it's doing successfully in its fundraising strategies. But we're more than just the magazine. We have a daily e-newsletter called Today in Fundraising, which is where we've been running uh, your archived radio programs on Tuesdays. Um, and we also do webinars. We have a, a, a whole family of, of editorial-based products to help our readers succeed in their, their job as fundraisers. Well, Margaret, I've uh, I've obviously been aware of your magazine for many years, and it really has grown uh, into one of the best resources in the nonprofit sector for – those who are serious about fundraising and understanding how fundraising works, how you can be efficient and where those resources might be. So it's great to have that partnership with you. How can our listeners uh, connect with Fundraising Success Magazine, how they can subscribe or how they can get the, uh, the, the uh, e-newsletter that you send out on Tuesday? 
you can go to uh, fundraisingsuccessmag.com, and there you'll find links to subscribing to the magazine, subscribing to Today in Fundraising, which is our e-letter, uh, and any other. You can sign up for webinars, and you can see all of the resources that we have to offer there. We're also on Twitter at FRSuccess. That's our hashtag. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook at Fundraising Success. And I should mention that the magazine, Today in Fun Fundraising, they're, they're free resources. All you have to do is go and sign up, give us a little bit of information, and you, you will have access to everything. Well, we really appreciate that. And for our listeners, uh, hang in there for the remainder of Page One News because we're actually going to share with you one of the links from Fundraising Success Magazine. Uh, as uh, one, of, as you will find out as you subscribe there and you become more familiar, uh, they often will point you in the direction of terrific resources. Uh, and, uh, Margaret, today we are going to be sharing here on Page One uh, a uh, review that you've done of a terrific new ebook that's available that will be coming up a little bit later on here on page one news margaret thank you so much for joining us uh thank, thank you for you, the Jeff. partnership and your support here of the nonprofit coach i'm looking forward to it thank you take care all right and back up here on the uh, nonprofit coach uh you will find over in the radio links uh today uh, at tedhart.com click on radio links uh, we want to draw your attention to another new resource that is available, uh, and we have an opportunity today uh, to uh, speak to a, another friend of the show uh, today, uh, and that is uh, Janine Ray uh, is here with us live on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Janine is uh, one of the executives at John Wiley & Sons, uh, who is overseeing a wonderful new program called Nonprofit Community. You'll find a link over in the radio links uh, today. It's my pleasure to welcome here today Janine Ray. Janine, how are you? Hi, Ted. Great. How are you? Hi, how are you? It's great to uh, have you here on the show. Now, I'm really interested uh, to hear what is nonprofitcommunity.com. Well, nonprofitcommunity.com is a, um, a web website that by Wiley and Josie Bass, filled with all kinds of tips and resources and excerpts from books, um, check sh checklists, and um, all kinds of tools that nonprofit professionals can use. Um, when I started working on the nonprofit books um, about a year and a half ago, I was looking around online for um, you know, resources to really get myself grounded in the nonprofit community, and I found um, bits and pieces of, of of things that I wanted to learn, but I didn't find a single place that brought everything together for me. And in some ways, I was getting started like a new nonprofit manager or a nonprofit fundraiser would in a new job. So um, I wanted to create a place where um, all of those professionals could come together, share their information, share tips, exchange ideas, and also benefit from all the great resources that we publish. Janine, you're responsible for marketing books, products, and online events for Josie Bass and Wiley uh, for their nonprofit management programs. Uh, this dovetails in because it brings people together not only in an education format, but also in a social networking format. Is that correct? That's right. We are trying to bring people together not only um, um, you know, on our website, but um, on, on our Facebook page, um, using Twitter, and really trying to get the conversations going around the issues that all nonprofit professionals are raising, whether they have to do, are, are facing rather, whether they have to do with fundraising, social change, basic management questions, um, you know, questions about finance, um, tax law for nonprofits. Um, we have it all covered with our daily posts. And, um, and our guest posts from our authors, um, and we'll be hosting um, free webinars uh, starting this spring. Um, we have all kinds of things planned for nonprofitcommunity.com. Well, that's really terrific. So free webinars and all the resources are available right now. Of course, our listeners uh, know we, we speak a lot about Wiley here. Uh, we work very closely with Susan McDermott, who has put together the AFP Wiley radio show that we do once a month on the third Tuesday of each month. We feature one of the authors, and all of these authors will be available at nonprofitcommunity.com. Uh, so for the launch of this uh, site, if you go there today, you can find the link at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. Um, in addition to uh, webinars and pulling uh, new resources in, uh, what else? do you envision for the future of this site uh, for uh, Josie Bass and Wiley? 
Well, I mean, if you go to the site, you can see that we have a calendar of events, and we're inviting the nonprofit community, whoever they may be, whether they're our authors or other partners that we work with or just people out there in the nonprofit world. If you have um, events that you'd like us to post, we can post them there on the calendar, and we'll be spreading the word about those. Um, and that includes you know, not only in-person events but online events and webinars and things like that. Um, we're really hoping to build a community, and at this point, we're sort of in phase one of the site where we have lots of things going on, and we're posting new content regularly, um, but um, going forward, we really want to um, foster you know, those conversations that will take place and we'll be adding features to the site that will make it easier for people to do that, so stay tuned because there's a lot of new stuff coming up. Uh, that's great. So it really makes a lot of sense for all of our listeners to go to nonprofitcommunity.com, start becoming uh, familiar with it, uh, and the services will only be growing richer over time. Uh, Janine, thank you so much for your support here of the Nonprofit Coach, uh, for the launch of Nonprofit Community, and for working with us in the outreach for both the show and all of our books. Thank you so much for your support from Wiley. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, back here on uh, the the, uh, the nonprofit coach, I do want to uh, wrap up page one here. And as I mentioned, Fundraising Success Magazine has uh, uh, put together a review of a new book. This is an e-book, The Art and Science of Multi-Channel Fundraising. Now, it is a, a little bit on the pricey side, but I have to tell you, this really is well worth it. It includes nine chapters from leading fundraisers on channel selection, messaging, direct mail, email, mobile, social media, multi-channel renewal, multi-channel testing, uh, and they have some really terrific case studies uh, in this book from Human Rights Campaign, uh, Guerrilla Organizations, Salvation Army, and the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So uh, check that up. That comes to us from Fundraising Success Magazine. Uh, you'll find that at tedhart.com. Click on the radio links. And with that, we wrap up our first coming out of summer hiatus page one news, and we go directly into page two. This is really a distinct pleasure for me to welcome here on the nonprofit coach, Marjorie Sharp, who lives in Toronto, Canada, and is the author of Governing with Soul. This is a really terrific book. Uh, she has written this book to celebrate the creativity and spirit of organizations who practice the concept of governing with soul and who has achieved outstanding success with their missions. She's titled this book, Governing with Soul, and the subtitle is How Joy, Courage, and Compassion Are Taking Charities to the Next Level. It is my pleasure here today to welcome on the Nonprofit Coach, Marjorie Sharp. Marjorie, thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Hello, Marjorie. All right, let me uh, see if... Hello, Marjorie, are you here with us live on the Nonprofit Coach? I'm uh, checking our switchboard here to find Marjorie. Marjorie, are you here with us on the Nonprofit Coach? Hello, Marjorie. Well, I'm uh, sorry that uh, that we don't have uh, Marjorie right now. Our crack staff will uh, try to find out where uh, Marjorie is uh, and uh, get her here on the Nonprofit Coach. Um, so I'm going to uh, actually introduce to you a few concepts uh, from uh, from this book. And uh, actually, you know what I'm going to do? So I'm going to take the uh, the opportunity here uh, to jump back uh, to because uh, I think we still have our uh, guest uh, from Fundraising Success Magazine. Uh, Margaret, are you still here with us? No, I think, um, let me see who I still have uh, here on, on the show with us. Uh, Janine, are you still with us? I am. Hi, Janine. Thank you uh, for staying with us here on uh, on the Nonprofit Coach. I'm going to take a little bit more time to talk about uh, nonprofitcommunity.com uh, until uh, we can uh, find out what may have happened uh, to Marjorie Sharp. We don't have her here on the show yet, but hopefully she'll jump in and join us any moment now. Um, so uh, if you don't mind, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about um, the, uh, the, the conversations and resources 
that you're looking to bring together uh, on the nonprofit community because they're very they're they're really vast uh, in terms of the services that are offered uh, by Wiley. A lot of folks may think of it as just sort of fundraising books, but you also cover things such as finance, law, accounting, nonprofit management. Can you talk a little bit about those services? Well, they're not so much services as those are topics that we publish in. Um, so we have categories on the site where we'll be posting, um, you know, articles from authors, hopefully success stories from just nonprofit uh, professionals in the community that want to share their share their story, and we'll be inviting people to send us, um, you know, articles and, and kind of guest posts for those um, those areas on the site. Um, but really, we just want to offer. Um, Non, you know, the, our community, um, the resources they need to do their job, and a place to talk about what they're doing. And, and this uh, this draws primarily from the authors of your your many many uh, books, is that right? So so sort of the the heart and soul of of the both the site and the content uh, starts with your authors, is that right? Sure. Well, I mean, we're a book publisher, so we kind of start with what we have, and what we have are many, many resources, hundreds of titles um, that cover different topics in the nonprofit um, arena. So we'll start there, and we have started there, but we wanted to get other people in, in um, uh, you know, included in the community, and so we extend the invitation to anyone who has, uh, you know, an interesting story to tell or um, tips to share or, um, you know, a message to put out there. It's also an opportunity for our listeners, if they found a book to be particularly helpful, to offer comments and uh, recommendations uh, to books and content uh, in any of the various topic areas that you publish in. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're asking people every day to comment on, um, you know, what did you, how did you find this book? How was it useful to you? We'd love to have those kinds of comments on the site. That's great. That's great. Well, again, thank you for a little bit more work uh, information about nonprofitcommunity.com. I'm just going to ask if Marjorie Sharp has had an opportunity to join us here on the show. Is that Marjorie there? Yes. Oh, hey, Hello. Marjorie, thank you so much. I'm just going to uh, wrap up and uh, thank uh, Janine. Thank you, Janine Ray, again uh, for a little bit more information and pinch hitting a little bit for nonprofitcommunity.com. Uh, that is available on the radio links uh, today. We encourage all of our listeners to not only become familiar with it, but to use it as a regular resource as you're looking for solutions to all of the various management, fundraising, board, finance, and social change topics that you may have. Janine, thank you again. No problem. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Uh, Marjorie, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. I'm not quite sure uh, what uh, what happened before, but it doesn't really matter because we're just thrilled to have you here uh, live on The Nonprofit Coach. I gave a little bit of an introduction uh, a little bit earlier on about uh, who you are, and our topic today is your wonderful book, Governing with Soul. So I just wanted to uh, start off by asking you to introduce the genesis of that book and, and why uh, why that topic. Well, thank you, and I appreciate uh, having this opportunity to talk to you. And and uh, I'm sorry that something happened to the telephone fires. But uh, no problem at all. Just speak up uh, as loud as you can in, into your phone, and we'll be able to hear you well. Okay. There, there were two reasons uh, for writing governing with coal. The first one is that board activity is crucial for the health of the organization, the community, the nonprofit sector. Too often, board members are not adequately briefed as to their role and responsibilities, and meetings are more often than not dedicated to rubber-stamping reports with little or no debate, and slowly the board member who sees no role for him or herself in making a difference becomes bored and disillusioned and drops out. The second reason for writing this book was the discovery that there was and still is a surge of interest in spirituality in the corporate world. I discovered two books, uh, Spiritual Audit of Corporate America and Megatrends 2010, and both books describe the most important trend of spirituality. People all over the world want to know that what they do at work is making a difference. As Dr. Jean Houston, an internationally renowned scholar, philosopher, and author says, we yearn for meaning and deal with trivia. Having spent many years on many boards of charities, both in the U.S. and Canada, 
I was really interested in how this trend is affecting the governance of nonprofits. In short, I wanted to find a way to help their boards achieve excellence by bringing a spirited, soul-related approach to the important work of governing charities. Looking at the trend of successful corporations, not only seeking to make profits, but also to weave spirituality into all of their relationships, we and many others discovered that this new business model, rooted in compassion and caring, releases creativity, improves productivity, it creates happy employees and customers, and contributes to success. Most of us who work or volunteer with a charity do so wanting to make a difference to our communities. Some of us have positive experiences, and some of us have been terribly disappointed, perhaps even felt betrayed by a charity's lack of respect for its staff, volunteers, and community. We expect the nonprofit sector to be compassionate and caring, and unfortunately, this isn't always the case. I've been told so many stories by volunteers who are pleased to be invited to join a board only to find themselves ignored at boardroom tables, their valuable time wasted with poorly organized meetings. I've been on many boards, but there was one organization in particular whose board I was invited to join, and I went to the first meeting full of anticipation and enthusiasm for the cause, only to find myself effectively ignored throughout. I was not introduced, and at the end of the meeting, members left the boardroom immediately without anyone saying a word to me. Afterwards, I tried to make sense of how that board operated and where things were so obviously going wrong. You know, people often feel intimidated and afraid to speak up or ask questions. They can come to feel that they are only invited because of their Rolodexes or checkbooks. Often, they drop off those boards disillusioned and resentful. But on the other hand, I knew that there were charities operating with respect and compassion for their staff, volunteers, clients, and community. And so I decided to explore and write about what those successful charities are doing right, rather than focusing on my negative experiences and the stories that I heard. I found that when and I Marjorie, that's also very, very important, and I, I really like this book because it does focus on what it takes to retain really good board members. Um, how, as, as you say, not to have board meetings being boring meetings, uh, but instead to really recruit well, uh, to manage well, and to engage uh, your board of directors. I, I wanted to ask you, um, over on page 81 uh, of your book, I found there were three equally important roles of a board, and, and I often uh, share in, in my lectures that uh, boards of directors, you know, are not born good boards of directors. They have to be trained, and oftentimes it starts with helping a board of directors understand what their role is. And in, in your book, uh, you point out three equally important roles of a board, one being fiduciary, second being strategic, and the third being generative. Um, what is generative mode, and, and how, how does that roll into being equal to strategic and fiduciary? Uh, this, I, it uh, has to do with looking ahead and knowing where you're headed for perhaps five or ten years from here. And um, consequently, uh, it leads to a lot of good uh, talking and, and sharing of ideas about how to uh, proceed. So it's really um, a very important aspect of a board's, uh, what they're doing. And, and is, it, is it related to thinking about replacing yourself and thinking about who sits around that table, what voices should be heard, what voices should be there? And should a board of directors take uh, more of the reins of the management of an organization as opposed to, as you said, feeling very much like a rubber stamp and, and really just a group that gets lectured to as opposed to a deliberative body? Well, I think it's important <clears throat> that the uh, the board and the uh, CEOs understand their role, and it's the um, job of the, the uh, of the the uh, uh, board to make sure that the that the whole operation is being managed well, and that's one of their responsibilities. And 
so that it uh, it's a very important the generative part is very important because it generates this focus on generating new ideas and new ways of doing things and looking and, and as you said in your book it's the least practiced uh, among the uh, the roles of a board of directors that's right and what happens is that once again you get this business of looking backwards and signing off on uh, on things in the meeting that you've already read about prior to go, going to the meeting, and so it's uh, you know that's that has to be looked at. Marjorie, we're just going to uh, take a little bit of a break here, just uh, for a uh, brief reminder, and then we'll be uh, right back uh, with Marjorie Sharp with Governing with Soul. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Marjorie, we're back, and I, I wondered if you might just chat a little bit about um, your concept of board members' passion for mission and where that fits into the overall successful operation of a board of directors. Well, I think it's one of the most important things that you can have is that you have a member of the board who has passion for what what you're trying to achieve as an organization. So I think that's a very important part of of, uh, how they – they conduct their business and how they actually manage to reach the uh, point where they're headed for, what they feel they need to do, whatever it is they're involved in. Uh, it's very important that the people uh, are really engaged with that. One of the things that, uh, that I think you agree with me on, and I, and I wondered if you might expand on this a little bit, is how the board of directors meetings are actually run and managed. Um, one of the things I, I think that you, that you uh, share in your book is this, this notion of, of not necessarily governing by consensus, but instead really generating dialogue and discussion, even if that means generating disagreement so that all sides are heard. Why does that matter, and and why wouldn't organizations just uh, seek consensus? Well, I think it's very important that they have uh, that they hear all sides of whatever decision they're trying to make, and often, or not uh, certainly, quite often, people will bring in uh, people to talk against the particular thing that you're voting on to make sure that everybody understands all the aspects of this. So it's really a very important part of the board's uh, activity. And, the other and, and, thing that I find that I think is extremely important is that people speak out about whether they're in tune with what's being decided. And unfortunately, we seem to have a situation where people don't say anything for many reasons. They may feel that uh, it's okay what peop- what the decisions are, or it may they may feel that they want to do business with the chairman of the board so they're not going to go against whatever is being um, passed. And it seems to me that one of the most important things, along with the compassion, is speaking up and making sure that every voice is heard in a, on a board. Uh, and rather than this business of just sort of um, sitting there and letting things happen that really basically you don't agree with, but you don't have the courage to stand up and say something about it. So I think that moral courage is a very important aspect of a person who's serving on a board. And all board members really need to watch out for that, uh, don't they, in terms of watching uh, various relationships and how well people are working together, but also is there an opportunity for a dissenting voice? I was wondering if you might expand a a little bit, because I just found this so terribly interesting uh, in a book uh, entitled Governing with Soul. You uh, uh, give an entire chapter to relationship therapy, uh, and I wonder what is that concept and why is it important uh, to a well-run charitable organization? Well, I think it's very important that all the op- opinions are heard. Uh, and I, I think that often, uh, if, in fact, in, your, in the book you probably read about the person who brings in people 
who people who have opposite ideas about what they're trying to decide on, just so that they've they've gone and dealt with every aspect of the of what they're going to vote on. And if Marjorie, let's, let's focus on that a little little bit more because I I don't think that's done very often, and it is a concept that that you feel very strongly with. Um, in terms of different voices is that if you don't have different voices on the board, you go out and seek them. And, and that takes a lot of courage, doesn't it, to, you know, if you feel like you're winning an argument to make sure that the other uh, voice is heard? Well, I, I, it, it works, and you really need to do it. Because once again, if you get people who don't speak up about whether they're in favor or not in favor, then you've got a really poor situation on that board. So that the the chairs who feel strongly that they need to hear every aspect of what they're going to decide on, so they bring people in or they have somebody on the board who's appointed to be the person who always brings up the other points that aren't mentioned through the first discussion. So it strengthens what they're doing, and they end up uh, in a, making a much better decision than just to, to um, sit there and, and say, okay, okay, when they come up. So it is really about uh, building a culture of listening uh, and a culture of, of uh, um, taking a look at different sides of, of an issue as opposed to one of the things that, that you really uh, warn against is sort of this rubber stamp board approach. Yeah, because that, that gets you nowhere. And you really need to hear, in order to make a good decision, you need to hear all the pros and cons. So that I think Marjorie, we're going to take uh, just a, a little bit of a, a sponsor break here. Uh, when we come back, I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners uh, specifically what makes a good board member. What should we be looking for? Because one of the concepts that you really talk about in your book is uh, the importance of the nominating process and choosing the right people. Uh, so we'll be right back after the break. <laughs> Welcome once again the wonderful folks at Blackbot as a sponsor of the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, at tedhart.com, click on radio links. You will find a link to today's offer from uh, Blackbot. Uh, and what they're specifically asking is, do you need to raise more money? Well, boy, do we. This is a very bad economy and very difficult, and we need every resource we can get. Well, Blackbot is the one solution from the world's leading provider of fundraising and CRM software for nonprofit organizations. You can now, they are now introducing the Razor's Edge um, that just got edgier. Uh, with BlackBaud, you can raise more money both online and offline with the help of built-in fundraising practices. You can focus on your best donors, and this is really uh, news and something that you really should be aware of if you're using BlackBaud, is their newest innovation is the giving score, and this really helps you focus with maybe less staff, uh, less resources to become even more efficient in your fundraising. You can now connect with your supporters with the integrated e-marketing and social media tools that are available from BlackBaud. Once again, we're thrilled to have them as a sponsor here of the Nonprofit Coach. Over in the radio links, you'll find the link today for BlackBaud highlighted in yellow, and you can find that at at tedhart.com. So uh, we'll head right back to the show. Sharp, uh, author of Governing with Soul, you offer so many uh, really concrete uh, examples and uh, advice in your book, Governing with Soul, and it's all meant to take charities to the next level. You're very much focused on the board of directors. What does it take to build a good board of directors? Well, I think, you first of all, you have to have the people that are going to come on the board. You have to make sure that they have a passion about what it is that the uh, the organization is doing and what their uh, mission is and, and so on. And, a, and they have to have some sort of c- connection to the mission. Uh, it's good if they've had relative, relative experience and uh, 
what you want are people who speak up and who pull their weight and uh you know i know you probably heard often this discussion that it's 80 20 on boards or where 20 people do 80 percent of the work and you want to get away from that we want people who are going to pull their weight and uh, I have had the experience of one, and that's when I say I've done, certainly been on a lot of boards, but only one where everybody on the board uh, did their job. So you're looking for for people who are really going to help and be active in that and supportive. Marjorie, um, in in uh, uh, we just received an email question from Dennis in St. Louis, and he's wondering. Uh, he's saying that the nominating process is managed by the board. What is the proper role of staff in the nominating process? Well, I think that if the board is going to nominate their own members, then that's what they should be doing. And uh, I had an experience in uh, sitting on a board. Uh, of a organization in Chicago, and I was asked if I would put the uh, if I would chair the committee that was going to bring new members onto the board. So I did a, a matrix of, of who is there, et cetera, et cetera, and presented it, and everybody was delighted on this committee. And then about ten minutes later, someone stuck up his hand and said, "You know, I think we should get old Joe on here. He's really good at play." golf with them three times a week, and and with that, it's, it uh, sent everything out the window in terms of putting together a board where you're, have, you're, you're making sure that you have representation from all the areas that you need to have to carry out your mission. So, so and uh, how, how do you do that? Cause so what you're saying is don't just nominate your friends, but nominate specific skill sets? Yes. It doesn't. Friends are fine, but I think what you're doing, you want to make sure that you do have represented on the board, whatever areas that you need to have to carry out your mission. It's not always clear um, when you're talking about mission the difference between mission, vision, and values. And I just want to share something that you uh, that that you have in your book um, related to that very topic, and ask if uh, you could just respond uh, to that or reflect on that. The mission refers to how an organization plans to carry out its purpose by addressing the need. The mission needs to be referred to at every board meeting, and every decision should be made in light of it. The vision, on the other hand, is the promised land towards which the organization strives, whether it's the elimination of poverty or cleaning up a local river, that would reflect a vision. And then, but then you go on to say the undergirthing of both the mission and the vision are your values, which are the moral and ethical principles by which an organization conducts all elements of its business. Which aspect of mission, vision, and values do you feel that the average charity misses? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, and I I cannot conceive of a board operating without a mission and a vision, but it does happen, and uh, I have run into that, but it simply is not the way to conduct an organization. And if uh, you've got to to know where you're going and why you're going and how you get there, and and uh, so I, you know, I just uh, those things are necessary. And I like the idea where one group uh, puts it puts it on a puts the whole thing on a mat, and that's put in front of each member when they come in to, to the meeting. Marjorie, uh, we do or we do have a, a caller um, who has a question for you. Um, I believe that we have Margaret. Margaret, are you here live on the Nonprofit Coach, and you have a question for Marjorie today? I am. Thanks, Ted. Um, Marjorie, I know that you started your conversation by talking about um, adding a sense of spirituality to your board and, and to the way your organization is run. In this day and age, it seems that people sort of bristle when you start talking about spirituality. And I'm wondering, um, in an organization that isn't faith-based, do you how do you yeah, how do you ha- make that happen without causing people to be offended? Well, because uh, it's a question of how you regard what it is. 
And um, as far as I'm concerned, um, just I would just like to uh, give that a minute's thought because it's very important. My I, idea was spirituality doesn't mean religion as far as I'm concerned. It means how you interact with people. And you have uh, the um, situation where the Dalai Lama, for instance, talks about the need for gentleness and uh, thoughtfulness and has a whole slew of of characteristics, and they're in the book. And that's what I think of. It's how you're interacting with people. And it's not, I'm not thinking about it in terms of a church. I'm thinking about it in terms of how you operate as a person with other people. Sort of just a general code of conduct that transcends any specific religion. You're exactly right. That's perfect. Okay, thank you. Uh Margaret, thank you so much for raising that question. I want to take it a little bit uh, further, uh, Marjorie. I'm wondering, because um, I, I, I think that, that uh, first of all, Margaret's absolutely right, but I think it goes even further because there's such a movement in the nonprofit sector and such a push on the part of many board members to be more business-like, to be more corporate, to even be more for-profit-like. And does that negate uh, the approach that you're suggesting really makes for a good board? I think it does. I think that the uh, the problem with taking on the uh, aspects of a for-profit organization is that you lose your whole vision of where you're going, and you uh, it's uh, you get caught up in putting in these structures that the for-profits have, but um, the fact is that they, you may often lose sight of what it is you're trying to do as an organization if you're trying to bring in a way of operating that is quite different. Uh, there is a difference between for-profit and non-profit. And, right. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if um, where your question came from, uh, where do you come down on, on which side of that, and, and is it sort of – two camps approaching the nonprofit sector at the same time, one that calls for more sensitivity and, and perhaps spirituality, uh, and one more hard-nosed for-profit approach. And, and where should we come down on that? I, I think from, from what I've seen in the sector, there de- you're absolutely right, there is definitely a leaning toward, you know, we need to um, run our nonprofits like businesses. And I think from the uh, for lack of a better word, the accounting side, I think that's probably a good idea because so many people think, you know, the general public think, oh, nonprofits, it's warm and fuzzy, it's folks selling uh, cakes after church on Sunday. And I think that may have a lot to do with some of the distrust that, that, not, that the general public has in the sector in general. But I definitely also see what Marjorie is saying, because there is a difference. There's a difference in motive. There's a difference in why people get involved in the first place. So I, I don't think it's impossible to have both. I think it's it takes a lot of thought, and it would take a lot of um, change in thinking on, on the side of the, the executive director and the people who are running the nonprofit, and then it can trickle down from there. I don't think it's easy, and I don't think it will happen automatically. I think definitely it's a progression, but I do think it's possible to have both. So, so back to, to Marjorie's book. Marjorie's absolutely right then that it really does start with leadership um, and that, that this approach is only going to succeed with strong leadership. I'm going to throw out to both of you, um, how do charities succeed in this world that it sounds like the two of you uh, are in complete agreement um, is is very much split, that we want the hard-nosed business approach, almost a for-profit approach, um, and we want the transparency that builds confidence. But at the same time, there, as, as Marjorie said, there are things that are uniquely nonprofit, reasons why they're nonprofits, and that we should not give up our soul to do that. Um, how did charities find that middle road? Well, well that's a good question. Go ahead, Marjorie. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you go on. Uh, well, actually, I'll just very briefly, I think it would be the world would be a lot better place if businesses could, corporate businesses could teach nonprofit, nonprofits the business side a little bit better, and nonprofits could teach the corporate world the soul side a little bit better. That, that's where I think we're at. 
So, so, so the answer is is that both for profits and nonprofits exist for a reason and should learn from each other. Well, I think that's true, but and I also the one of the reasons that I uh, I found, as I just said, I, I came across these two books that were talking about uh, the most important uh, thing that we could spend some time on, and that is that the spirituality was beginning to be shown in for profits. And so um, there, there are many for-profits who are operating in a way that's, that's uh, they look after their, their people, and they, um, okay, the spiritual audit of corporate America, uh, they, they went to 200 book, uh, organizations for-profit and found that they were providing all sorts of good things for their members or for their employees, uh, and they were, um, you know, re- recognizing that they're people and that they come to work with their, with their soul, and uh, that it. Um, so there's a lot of movement in the for-profit world, and that's really what got me so interested in finding out what was going in the not-for-profit world in that area. So there are some organizations and businesses that are operating. Uh, the way that we'd all be glad to join up with them. <laughs> now, you 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 mentioned in your book that uh, good government go- governance uh, rather uh, means that you have uh, spirituality uh, integrated into um, your your governance. Um, so, does that start with the board chair, the executive director? Um, if an organization wanted to know that they were moving in the right direction. And we just have a couple minutes left here on the show, and I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to really explore this governing with soul. What's at the centerpiece of governing with soul? I think it's at the center is how you treat your people. That is one extremely important thing. Um, the other thing is that you are you have a mission and you keep to it, and um, there are it, it's a lot has to do with yes you have to do things that you would if you're running a business, but mostly you have to take a look at your mission and make sure that you stick with it and you have to make sure that you put the right people in the boat and uh, and ease the people who are not not helping. Moving so this is walking the talk. This is this is uh, this is walking the talk from yeah. from start to finish. It's it's nominating the right people to the board. It's treating your staff well, and those are some of the ways that you integrate. Because am I correct in, sa- in in that you're saying that in doing those things, you start creating a movement within the organization that points you in the right direction. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Margaret, um, you you certainly look at a lot of nonprofits um, uh, across the, the the sector. How much of a struggle is this in in uh, in the nonprofit sector, um, trying to find this balance, or do charities really not struggle that much? I I think it's a little bit of a struggle. I think it's a mindset um, <clears throat> that charities are used to used to having and and that's changing. I mean there are, there are lots of waves of change going through the nonprofit sector right now and I I think that's one of them. And I was almost tempted to say that you know there are it's harder for the the bigger more entrenched entrenched nonprofits, but I don't necessarily think that's true. I think um the ones that have been around for a very long time realize that when things have to change, they have to change, even if it's a little bit painful or uncomfortable. Plus, they have a, there's so many new fundraisers coming into the sector, um, and they're coming up through the ranks, so to speak, with this new mindset toward uh, the way nonprofits need to be run. Um, so I think that that, that helps. So I, I, I think that it's changing, and um, I, I think that's probably a good thing. Well, I think so, too. And, and uh, Marjorie Sharp, I want to thank you uh, so much uh, for writing this book. Um, I really view it as a call to the, the um, that uh, boards of directors and charitable organizations uh, need to get back to their roots and understand that there is something unique about being a charitable organization, and that really matters. Um, so, Marjorie, thank you so much. And, Margaret, thank you for uh, your wonderful questions and your insight uh, into uh, some of the concepts of governing with soul. 
Thank you, Tim. Oh, thank we'll be you right much. back uh, next week here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach. I'm uh, thrilled to have the full lineup uh, noticed, uh, noted in our uh, newsletter at p2pfundraising.org. You can find all mm-hmm. the links at tedhart.com. Uh, click on radio links, and we'll be right back next week uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach. That's what I You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.